Welcome to Day 134 of Shaped Out of the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with Katie Kresge, Matt Kresge, David Keefe. Uh, we continue in our uh, drama of Scripture, moving through the Scripture. We come to Samuel. Samuel is a transitional figure uh, between the kings and the judges. Uh, he will anoint both the first king of Israel, Saul, and then the second king of Israel, David. Saul will be everything in bearing stature and appearance that a people would look for in a king. David will even be forgotten by his own father. He'd be the least in his own family. But he is everything God is looking for as far as the heart of a king. It's a really, uh, really nice book all the way through. Uh, so we begin our journey today in chapter 1. Before we uh, dig into chapter 1, um, as always, we, we pause realizing that uh, Scripture is a gift to us from the heart of God um, that is far more than just a uh, a moment we check off a list of things to do. It is a, a moment we come into the presence of God to hear the Word of God and to be nourished deeply in it and to be transformed by it. So we always pause to pray, offer ourselves in the moment to the Lord. So, David, do you mind lifting us up in prayer? Now let's pray. And Father, we do come before you um, humbly, asking that as we turn now to your scriptures, as we behold wonderful things, as we remind ourselves of this great history of redemption as you have worked through your people to, to bring about wonderful things in Christ, that you would um, meet us where we are. Um, I know many of us are probably weary or tired, and so we ask that as we turn to your word that you would encourage us in Christ, that you would build us up, that you would renew our hearts and give us fresh affections for you and all that you are at work doing. And so, Father, we love you. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. First Samuel chapter 1, there was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zephite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraim knight. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Panah. Panah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penah, and to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you'll only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I'll give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. She kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth, and it was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. 
Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate nothing, and her face was no longer ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. When her husband Elkanah went up with his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. So what se- do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you've weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After she had weaned, after he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull and an ephah of a flower and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. So here we're introduced to uh, one of the noble characters you know, from the book of, uh, uh, from the Old Testament, uh, Samuel, who will serve you know, faithfully during a uh, the, uh, the shift in the nation, you know, from judges to a king and from the disappointment of their very first king to the anointing of, of David. So it's kind of a nice little chapter. There's some uh, themes that are, you know, deep biblical themes. Uh, you have, you know, you have Hannah in her barrenness or her lack of fruitfulness. And, and of course, here she is a symbol of Israel in, in so many ways. And, and for her to be fruitful is going to take an act, you know, from the Lord. Uh, and of course, she goes to the Lord and she prays for the son, and the son is given, and she's praying in such desperation that uh, Eli thinks that she's drunk. <laughs> and she said, Nope, no beer, no wine, uh, you know, here. So, what are some of the things you guys are seeing as you look in this chapter? I mean, we've seen this kind of time and time again is meeting a, a woman who's barren, right? You know, we've met uh, Sarah and even Rebecca, even, you know, Samson's mother. And, and so we've seen like these themes of God's promise, which we saw way at the beginning, right? Like in Genesis 3, right? That through the offspring of a woman would, would come this promise. And yet we've seen over and time again, like how's God going to do this? But then he does do it. And even in the New Testament with, you know, Elizabeth giving birth to John the Baptist who prepared the way, you know, for the Messiah. And so just love seeing that theme kind of carried all throughout Scripture. And then even, you know, the Apostle Paul, you know, he talks about in in Galatians, you know, that at the set time, you know, Christ was born, born from a woman, you know, and kind of see this, that fruition of everything coming through uh, this kind of history leading up to Christ. So anytime I see a, someone such as Hannah in this situation, um, obviously feel terrible for her, and but then also see that God is at work through the seed of, of a woman to bring about the Messiah. So just a good reminder to see that. Yeah. And and I think once again it's it's fun to point out that like when we read scripture in this way that we're reading it um, this season, you get to see just some cool um, things and, and just like we've mentioned before, this phrase of the Lord remembering people, um, in verse nineteen it says 
that Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. And it's not that he forgot her, like we've said before, but it's that he is remembering his covenant promise to his people, and he's continuing to be faithful over and over to his people. So he's mo- it's him moving toward them in his covenant promises. Um, and, of course, we know that Samuel's going to play a really big part in the future of Israel. Um, but I just thought, you know, there, once again, we see that phrase, so it's fun to kind of point that out. <laughs> no, it is. It's fun to me, too. You know, we mentioned this going through Ruth where you're coming out of the, the focus on nation uh, Israel as a nation and you know, this kind of wide lens view and then it zooms into Ruth and now, now it's like it's, it's moving again to really a transitional period in the life mm-hmm. of Israel where they'll move from you know just kind of wilderness tribes to their first king it starts with this barren woman mm-hmm. you know it's, it's almost like what is happening here and it's just again I think a reminder to us that, that God cares about you know these these little details, these small moments, these individual people, and and he sees Hannah's um, condition, her mm-hmm. her state. You know, it, it, and it's not just the barrenness; it's also you know she's got a rival who mm-hmm. you know is provoking her and and mocking her, and 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 just to watch how the Lord hears her prayer, and, and too, I love what she does with that. You know, that she goes before the Lord weeping mm-hmm. bitterly, knowing that He is the one. Who, who can do all things and, and is her portion as well, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I love, we'll see her, her, you know, prayer in a minute, her song. Mm-hmm. Or, know, or tomorrow. tomorrow. In yeah. several minutes. About 24 yeah. hours from now. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening back to back. Yeah. She'll yeah, do better right. theology in that than we've ever done, but. Well, you, you, know. you mentioned that this, this transitional <clears throat> period begins with a barren woman and I know of another transitional period <laughs> that begins with the barren woman, <laughs> and we've covered it in the in Luke on Sunday mornings that it begins with Elizabeth, who is barren, and um, and the Lord does a, a powerful act in her as well. So it's it is crazy to see all of these stories of women who um, can't conceive and can't bear children, and the Lord uses. Um, and, and, of course, and of course the whole story begins with covenant with Abraham uh, where God promises mm-hmm. him he will be a great nation and yet uh, for years he and Sarah are unable to conceive mm-hmm. and uh, of course it's a huge gospel theme you know God bringing life out of barrenness you know not just simply you know a group of barren women who are representative of Israel and everything you know that God is doing in Israel but uh, it is the theme as a whole, mm-hmm. uh, that Israel itself has, has been barren, and the only way for them to bear life is through a supernatural work you know, of the Lord. And of course, the same thing is true with us. Paul would tell us we're dead in our transgressions and sin, and we've been given, but he made us alive in Christ. So you have the picture of the barrenness of our mm-hmm. sin, yielding through the work of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural result of the gospel. So this is a big gospel theme, and of course, mm-hmm. you see the theme, as Katie just pointed out, and it's you know, the ultimate you know, state in, in Mary, one who had not even been in union mm-hmm. with a man, bringing forth life through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, in mm-hmm. answer to the gospel. And yeah. also just something that stands out is, is this woman who is just desperate for a child, desperate for the ability to have a family, um, dedicates her firstborn to the Lord when he's weaned. I mean, we don't know exactly when that was, but probably around two or three, I guess, I would guess. But um, all that to say, like, she 
is dedicating him to the Lord and leaving him there and and not taking him home with her. And so that points me towards this whole idea. I mean, we're talking about just this, the gospel significance here. Like God gave his only son and he comes and he is sacrificed on our behalf. So it's just this, this laying down. I mean, sh- for someone who has longed for a child for years, um, to then turn around and give that child back. I think that that shows um, a lot, and it definitely points us to the heart of, of God as well. You see, she recognizes as well the, the source of this good gift. Mm-hmm. You know, she says, I've prayed for this child, and the Lord, you know, granted me this mm-hmm. child. And, and so, so now I give him to the Lord, for his whole life will be given over to the Lord. And, and then I love that note, and he worshiped the Lord there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, what a you would could you almost expect? And then she worshipped the Lord there, you know. But it, but you're beginning to see that God's not just working. I mean, God's not just working in Hannah's life in this moment, but also stirring the heart of Samuel towards him as well. And and so you're watching this kind of unfold where the Lord continues to work in the lives of His people, and, and He stirred Hannah's heart and gave her a desire to pray and a desire for this you know this longing and. He fulfills it in his timing, and now here comes Samuel. And and as Katie has already noted, uh, um, after the child was weaned, he was a very young child, four Mm -hmm. four at the most, but more than likely three. And of course, I can't imagine I have a three-year-old grandson, him being released on the world at the age of three. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, the very fact, even in those couple of years, that you had enough influence whenever the the boy came to the temple that he he worshiped the Lord. Of course, the statement there is not you know, particularly about that moment. So it's about the entire span of his life mm-hmm. that he gave his life over to the worship of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's what we will find him doing all the way through his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he is one of the men who is faithful from beginning to end, and, and that's a beautiful story, you know, to find in Scripture. And we don't even always find it, even in the pages, even in the pages of Scripture. Mm-hmm. I just before we finish up, I just think it's significant to see the role that that Samuel's mother played in his spiritual life, and that she, I mean, her husband seems to be supportive um, of her, but he is not. He's not necessarily, in, according to the text, you know, leading. But he is taking his family to um, to worship and to offer sacrifices. But I just think, you know that it's just really important to see that she has her own spiritual walk and she is pouring um, herself out to the Lord and in doing so is um, leading her son well. So I just think as a woman, that's deeply encouraging to see that like the spirit moves in men and women as well. And we can take a a big role in our children's spiritual No, you do. You do see, you do see, you know, an atmosphere of worship mm-hmm. you know, where Elkanah is committed to worship, committed to sacrifice, mm-hmm. and is you know, and is committed you know to his wife and is honoring the oath you know that she made before the Lord. Sure. But the main driver in this you know really is Hannah, you know, who has come before the Lord, who has promised the Lord and has delivered, as the Lord has delivered on His promise to her, she delivers as well on her promise uh, to Him. Mm-hmm. And so you've set this uh, story up nicely. And as Matthew hinted in just a second or two here, we'll go into Hannah's prayer, which is going to be really deep in theology, and uh, which is going to have echoes of prayers that we'll hear in the New Testament, you know, as well. 
Uh, but uh, as for today, we've come to the end of our time together, and we're 48 seconds over. <laughs> Katie, can you bring us to a close? <laughs> yeah. Father, thank you for um, this book. Thank you for the opportunity to um, read this together as your people. And I just pray that you would use it. Would you encourage us, um, encourage our hearts wherever wherever we find ourselves now as we listen, um, as we read, God, that um, that you do bring life out of um, out of barrenness. And um, we pray that you would do, continue to do just that. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.